30 seconds has begun. Chair, staff is ready when you are. May the 4th be with you, 2023, 6 p.m. meeting of the Parks and Community Enrichment Commission. The meeting is now called to order. Do I get to use the gavel? <laughs> it's my first time chairing, everyone, so you're going to hear a lot of gavel banging tonight, this evening. <laughs> the meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Ford? All right. Here. Commissioner Liu? Here. Commissioner Robbins? Present. Commissioner Herman? Here. Commissioner King? Is absent. Chair Vasquez is absent. Commissioner Flores? Here. Commissioner Gallardo Good is absent. Commissioner Kangas is absent. Commissioner Boone? Present. Commissioner McCarchek? Present. And Vice Chair Gaines? Present. Thank you. We have quorum. Thank you. Um, I would like to remind members of the public and chambers that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn it in a speaker slip when the item begins. For members of the public who wish to join virtually, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you've joined the meeting and wish to speak, raise your hand, which there's a button that says raise your hand, to provide public comment when the chair confirms the public comment speaking period for your desired item. <clears throat> there's also a mobile app. So in the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. And if you are calling via telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine, then to unmute or mute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You will have two minutes to speak once you are called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips and the raise hand feature in the Zoom will be disabled. We will now proceed with today's agenda. Um, so if we can please rise for the opening acknowledgements in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. So to the, to the original people of this land, the Nisanon people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwin Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous peoples, history, contributions, and lives. Aho, miigwech, thank you. And if we can stay standing for the Pledge of Allegiance, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. All right, so our first order of business today is to approve the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers. 
and I have no hands raised online. Thank you. Are there any commissioners that would like to speak on this item? All right, is there a motion and a second to approve the consent calendar? I'll motion. Thank you, we have a motion by Commissioner McCarchick. Second. Thank you, and a second by Commissioner Flores. Will the clerk please call the roll for the vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Ford? Commissioner Liu? Aye. Commissioner Robbins? Aye. Commissioner Herman? Abstain. Commissioner King is absent. Chair Vasquez is absent. Commissioner Flores? Aye. Commissioner Gallardo Good? Aye. Commissioner Kangas is absent. Commissioner Boone? Aye. Commissioner McCarchick? Aye. Vice Chair Gaines? Aye. Thank you, the motion passes. Do I get to hit it when the motion passes? Just for fun? Passes. <laughs> um, all right, so there has been a change in the agenda. If you have it printed, we're going to go to number three, which is our 2023 <coughs> deferred maintenance update. Oh, let's see. So is there a staff presentation? Yes, sir. Yes. Excellent. Welcome. All right. Uh, good evening, Parks Commissioners. Um, my name is Jason Wiseman. I'm the Senior Landscape Architect. Uh, I'll be presenting on the deferred maintenance update along with my colleague, Sean Aylesworth, the Park Maintenance Manager, and Anthony Munoz, who's the Community Enrichment Manager. Um, <clears throat> So we're saying the deferred maintenance backlog refers to the total cost of maintenance projects that have not been completed or have been put off or delayed due to funding constraints. The inability to perform needed maintenance repairs and replacement of aging infrastructure on, on schedule leads to asset deterioration and impairment. Postponing deferred maintenance may result in higher overall cost, asset and infrastructure failure and increased health and safety liabilities, as well as reduced enjoyment of the parks and programs. The city has a considerable amount of related deferred maintenance, including a variety of buildings, facilities, and parks. Um, the deferred maintenance projects address safety, code, and immediate maintenance and um, repair needs, um, upgrades to bring facilities up to industry standards or other enhancements. Um, several divisions within the department work on deferred maintenance, including the park planning and development services, maintenance, recreation, and youth divisions. The types of projects include maintenance at community centers, pools, neighborhoods, neighborhood community and regional parks, as well as special facilities like Camp Sacramento. Um, deferred maintenance projects um, typically fall into three different uh, category types. Um, one would be on demand. These are deferred maintenance uh, projects that need immediate attention. Um, examples of that may be um, cleaning up graffiti on a playground or uh, removing a broken picnic table that has sharp edges or could be an immediate safety concern or, or filling holes on maybe a sports field or near a sidewalk. Um, the second type 
of a maintenance project would be just a standard maintenance project. Um, these require additional resources than an on-demand maintenance. They're usually funded by um, operation, annual operations funding. Some of those projects might be include uh, replacing a broken playground slide, repairing damaged sidewalks, um, repairing picnic tables that were previously removed. Um, the third type of um, project would be a capital improvement project. These are reserved for the larger major park repairs and renovations. Um, examples might be replacing all the site furnishings within a park that are dated or building or rebuilding a playground or adding new accessible walkways to a park. There are three assessment documents that the staff use to track deferred maintenance um, for YPSI assets and infrastructure. The park's deferred maintenance assessment was developed in 2016. The pool assessment was developed in 2017. And the facilities assessment was developed by Public Works also in 2017. These assessments are used to guide priorities for new CIP funding and for the purpose of budget planning and development. The Park Deferred Maintenance Assessment was developed using a GIS database. Um, this assessment logs the, the amenities uh, on a GIS database so they can be mapped uh, and easily located when, when referring to maintenance needs. Um, the database categories, the repairs, is, as I mentioned, is safety and code issues. They include photos of the current conditions and allows for staff comments. I mean, here's the snapshot of it, and you can see up here, like the that Southside Park. You can see where the amenities are located within there. There's a ranking system with the safety code and ops. Um, like an, we usually rank those on a zero to three ranking. Uh, like a zero to say there's no issues. Maybe a, on a sidewalk, like if it was two and a half percent or something, it might be like a one. Whereas if it was completely damaged and not usable, that would rank as a three. So we kind of have this ranking system so we can kind of see what are the highest needs or highest priorities. Um, so with that, I'm gonna hand it over to Sean for the next slide. Thank you. Okay. Um, good evening, commissioners. Uh, the three, uh, so um, from the three assessments, uh, the table before you, there's actually two tables uh, that are uh, before you that you can see. These tables include the dollar amounts for each of the three assessments. They show the progress um, from a baseline of $164.5 million to um, an accomplishment of projects that have taken us to $137.1 million currently. Um, the... The other table there uh, demonstrates the uh, breakout per uh, uh, council district. One note on that table there, it actually is reflective of the current uh, boundaries for council districts. So the numbers, while they may look um, unbalanced in certain places, there was, again, considerable investments in District 3 that um, um, District 4 did observe uh, or absorb into the most recent uh, redistricting project. Um, so again, from there, um, there's 119 million just in the parks maintenance assessment that is still deferred, 12 million for the citywide pool assessment, and 6.1 
million in our facilities uh, assessment as well. So these include, these tables include the reductions from recent capital project improvements that were completed in the last fiscal year. With that, I'll turn it over. All right, uh, the park deferred maintenance assessment total amount has been reduced by 4 million in the last fiscal year. As Sean mentioned from, it was 123 and now it is 119 million. Uh, these reductions account for completed capital improvement projects and maintenance repair projects. But they do not consider any new deferred maintenance projects since the assessment was last conducted in 2016. The department has made strides to reduce the 2016 deferred maintenance total assessment totals However, there is a need to conduct an update to assess, to account for the last seven years in our parks. Here are some of the recently completed parks, um, or completed deferred maintenance projects. Um, we have the restroom projects, um, Miller Park and Southside Park were both finished last year. Um, the Tahoe Park pool restroom is, will be completed for the pool season this year, and then East Portal and Land Park are funded restroom replacements or renovations that are funded for the upcoming year. Um, some of the major playground renovations we've done, um, Valley High was completed last year, Mangan Park is currently under construction as of today, and Danny Nunn and Chorley Park have been funded and anticipate completion in 20, probably 2020, early 2024. Um, playgrounds resurfacing projects, Southside Park was just um, completed last year, we've also uh, funded and having the queue McClatchy Park and McKinley resurfacing projects. Okay, sorry. Um, the, there's also some other major projects we've done. There's major concrete repairs. We've done concrete repairs at you know, several parks. Uh, the major ones that are listed up here, Conlin, Reichmith, and Robla, and Wynn Park. Um, we've done some irrigation improvements and replaced some main line and that at Freeport and Cabrillo Park. Major sports court resurfacings at Wood Lake, Glenbrook and Glen Hall tennis courts are planned for this later this year. And Winter's Circle and Temple basketball courts will be resurfaced as well. Uh, major field renovations, uh, Hagenwood synthetic soccer field uh, was just completed last week and that renovation is complete to add some the, the soccer field with some football lines on it now. Um, the Nielsen Park uh, multi-purpose field, it's just a, a grass field out there, was renovated earlier this year. And then other specialized projects like Regency Park Playground uh, was an older playground that was underutilized. We converted to a pump track, which is for um, bikes to kind of go around in a circle. Um, and then we also have Regency and Tanzanite parking lots resurfacings underway. That, I'll hand it over to Anthony to talk about the pools and facilities. Thanks, Jason. As Jason mentioned, in 2017, we had a pool assessment and a facility assessment. So in 2017, a pool assessment study was conducted that estimated a total deferred maintenance for city pool and aquatic facilities to be $17.2 million. This list has recently been updated to reflect $1.5 million worth of completed projects. And the new amount of deferred maintenance has been reduced to an estimated $12 million based on the 2017 estimates. New deferred maintenance projects identified after 2017 have not been added to the list. 
Some recently completed and in-progress deferred maintenance pool projects include resurfacing of the Johnston Pool and Mangan Pool in 2022. We're currently having the McClatchy Pool resurfaced right now. In addition to the resurfacing, we are fixing some leaks. In 2021, we did update the chemical system at Clooney Pool and did some additional resurfacing to the fountains, but that prompted us to update the Clooney Pool Heater. Um, and then later this summer in 2023, we'll be updating the uh, Pinnell pool pump and replacing that and updating the heater there as well. Future priority resurfacing projects include Southside pool, Pinnell pool, and Doyle pool. With the majority of city pools over 30 years old, and as Jason previously mentioned, these deferred maintenance projects have addressed safety issues, code violations, immediate maintenance, repairs, and upgrades to bring the facilities up to industry standards. In 2017, also, the facility assessment survey was conducted that estimated a total of five-year deferred maintenance for community building facilities to be $7.3 million. The list has recently been updated to reflect $1 million worth of completed projects in 2022, and the amount has been reduced to an estimated $6.1 million. The $6.1 million in deferred maintenance for facilities is in addition to the amounts for parks and pools that were assessed. Recently completed and in progress or funded deferred maintenance projects at community centers and park facilities include community center front counter safety improvements that were completed in 2022 and 2023. So as we return back post pandemic, post COVID, uh, during that time frame, frame and period, we had the flimsy sneeze guards that were up. So we've recently worked through the implementation of glass around all of our front counters to protect the public and to protect our staff moving forward. So uh, those locations that received that glass are Bell Coolidge, which was actually installed yesterday, Coloma, George Sim, Mims Hagenwood, Oak Park, South and Thomas, and the Sam and Bonnie Pinnell Community Center. One of the large portions of the safe conversion of our, our PayPoint locations and windows, uh, an example of that is at the Hagenwood Community Center. So last year in 2022, we completed a project of taking an office space that we converted, added a window, a PayPoint window that now can be utilized by our customer service staff to take payments at that, that community center. So now, now that is a PayPoint location that we could serve our communities with. Uh, previously, um, that community center was not set up uh, ideally to be able to accept payments moving forward, but this project helped us um, to be able to start doing that. Another uh, recently completed project has been the implementation of bottle fillers. So, so same thing, at, at our community centers, we previously had standard drinking fountains. Post-COVID, we come back, we add the bottle filler stations at all of these locations previously mentioned that now our participants um, and programs, rentals, anybody visiting a community center can utilize the bottle filler stations. Um, and once we resumed operations of the Clooney Community Center again, um, this December, this past December, we did a Wi-Fi addition. There was no internet service that was, that was strongly available. Uh, we did a trenching project and added Wi-Fi to the Clooney Community Center that's accessible for the public and for our staff to work at the facility. Uh, future or additional projects that are in progress are we're replacing community center flooring throughout a few community centers. So at the Sam and Bonnie Pinnell Community Center, we're replacing the stage, uh, portions of the stage. Uh, the fitness room is getting uh, new flooring. And then at the Coloma Community Center, 
Um, if you've ever been there before, the hallway carpet has been there for years, and on the first floor, the hallway carpet's being replaced and updated with, with new flooring. Um, the McKinley Park Rose Garden building uh, also had a floor replacement. And then addressing additional safety concerns at the Sacramento softball complex, this summer we'll be addressing concrete issues and replacing concrete throughout the, the complex area. In 2020, the Hart Senior Center went over a large renovation with updates on the interior side of the facility. Um, this, this upcoming year, we plan to address the exterior portion with painting and then uh, updating and getting a new sign that is reflective of what the original sign was at the Hart Senior Center. So I'll now turn it back over to Jason. So, I mean, um, just to recap, YPSI has made um, strides to reduce the total deferred maintenance by 6.5 million since last year and all the three deferred maintenance assessments, re reducing the total amount to 137.1 million. In addition, YPSI has an additional $31 million worth of capital improvement projects that are funded and active and will further assist in redu reducing deferred maintenance citywide. Hope this provides a better snapshot on the current deferred maintenance status. Uh, I've got a few more photos to share here with just some recently completed projects. Um, this is the Valley High Park, which was burned down with arson and we were able to replace it um, relatively quickly. <laughs> um, the next one is Barandas Park picnic area. Um, this was just kind of a picnic area. The, the tables were kind of falling apart and had some sharp edges. We were able to replace all the tables and fix some of the fabric there. Um, and then this is the Miller Park restroom um, before and after. So it was, we had some issues with ADA compliance and vandalism in here and we've renovated this one and um, simplified it and added some door locks to it, um, the automatic door locks. And then the last one up here is just an upcoming project that uh, is, is a pretty exciting project, the Matsui and Park Improvements, which is the Hanami Line project. It's currently out to bid, and the bids are due next week, so we're hoping to just get this one started this summer. Um, and this will basically renovate the whole park, uh, Matsui Park, which is in need of a, a major overhaul. So that concludes um, the presentation, so staff are available for any questions. Thank you guys so much for your presentation. Um, this is scheduled as information only, so no comment, but it's within my rights to open it up for comment, which I'm going to do. So if any commissioners have any questions or comments, please feel free um, to get in the queue. All right, Commissioner Gallardo, good? You're up. Did we wanna see if there's any members of the public who wanted to speak first? I hadn't because it's information only and there's actually no comments. I'm just, okay. you know, going off script. <laughs> but we can ask. We can. Hey, what up? <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so we're going to switch back. And uh, I don't have that in my script, so just go ahead. <laughs> Three hands raised online. Uh, our first speaker is calling user ending in 4366. 
My name is Lambert Davis, and I heard some really good things uh, mentioned tonight in the report. As a, a native of District 2, specifically Del Paso Heights, I have really been studying Ypsi because when we were growing up there, there were a lot of activities there. Now, there's a, a project going on at the Robertson Community Center. I've heard that it's been funded and they're going to repair the restrooms there. That shouldn't be delayed maintenance because the money's been approved through another way. So I hope that becomes a reality. And anytime that I hear anything about Hagenwood Park, uh, I really encourage you to do what you can there. As far as Woodlake Park, I'm a, a staunch advocate against Woodlake Park because it's not a park because it doesn't have restrooms. I've never been to a park where it didn't have restrooms, and I don't even see a water fountain there. So. I don't think money should be put into Woodlake Park. It should be put into Hagenwood Park because that's a boondoggle. Some of you may not know what that is, but a boondoggle is something you need to study. I learned that in the 1970s, what a boondoggle is. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Our next speaker is Judy. Uh, yeah, my name's Judy Breton, and you mentioned there that the concrete's been repaired at Robla Park. That's still under, they're still working on that. That hasn't been completed. And at Robla Park, we're still waiting for our lights that were taken down. Uh, we're waiting for our shade uh, covers to come in over the playground. Um, you know, this area has been deferred since 1994 and I think it's time that we actually get on this and move forward. Uh, we were promised a clubhouse back in 94 and we're still waiting for it. And like the gentleman before me just stated that if there's no restrooms, it's not a real park. And we've been around waiting for all of this uh, since the beginning this park was put in place. So thank you. Commissioners, for taking my call. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Deanna. Hi, thank you, Commissioners. I have a couple of things. I'll try to be quickly, quick here. First, I want to say that it's appreciated that uh, all the work that does get done with the staff that's available to do it. And that will lead to some other comments later. So I just wanted to say that in the first place. I also wanna thank the council. I'm not sure how this was decided, but I wanted to thank um, the council and whomever was participating in making the decision to choose Robla Park for an Earth Day event. So I wanted to say um, I appreciated that. And I wanted to thank a few individuals who made that um, a good uh, day and a good event, if I could, um, please. And I want to start with Sharon of the Robo Park Community Association and Javier Ortiz 
whom the parks uh, maintenance individuals know, and an individual under him, Gabrielle, who provided all the movement of the trees and the mulch that um, Javier was somehow, uh, with whatever assistance he was given, uh, able to procure for us for that event and the seven trees that we were able to um, plant. Um, and we need many more, to be honest with you. I also want to thank Councilman Maloey for his participation in Backbone. I want to thank um, Kaplan for having Mateo come and participate as well. Um, Lololi's office with Michaela and also um, Gordon Liu. Um, there were multiple youth groups, three or four of them. And I, I sent a message to Javier. I'm hoping to be made aware of who they are so we can send them a thank you as well. Then to the work part of it. <clears throat> I wanted to say that the uh, Robla Park is listed here on the deferred maintenance schedule for- Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Our next speaker is Victoria Vasquez. Thank you. Good evening, Commission and Director and staff. Uh, what a wonderful presentation. I wish I could be there with all of you tonight. Uh, but thank you, Jason, Sean, and Anthony for explaining everything that's been chipped away at over the last few years. And I know that you are uh, doing the best that you can and probably share our same frustrations that um, there's just so much more to do. So these are my questions. Um, are there any plans to schedule the next update and the next uh, assessment for all three assessments? Um, my second question is, what, how is tree canopy loss uh, classified in those three types of maintenance? I would imagine a lot of it was emergency and immediate, but is there any long-term uh, or deferred maintenance that's happening with tree canopy? And then I also want to know, um, are we going to be able to see the actual complete list of deferred maintenance separated out by district? Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Uh, Vice Chair, I have no more uh, members of the public with their hand raised. Thank you. Um, so before we get to commissioner comments, can they, can they answer the questions that came up? Oh, certainly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the questions that just came up, who <laughs> would like to take those? Yeah. Um, well, the tree canopy one, I mean, technically, I guess that wouldn't fall under the deferred maintenance portion of it. Um, it is part of the tree canopy, but um, I don't know if that would technically fall under the deferred maintenance of ongoing repairs. But I think that is something we're looking at, you know, and looking at with the trees that we've lost in the major storms and looking at ways that we can get people and volunteers and everybody back out there to try to get those tree trees planted, you know. The sooner you can plant them, obviously, the better, you know. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking at that as we fund new projects as we go forward, making sure we put aside money for extra money for funding for the trees and stuff so we can try to do that and try to build that tree canopy even more. Um, the deferred maintenance list as a whole, we do have copies of that, of what, you know, has been completed. I, I mean, I believe I can share that. I, I mean, don't know why we couldn't share that. So it's public knowledge. So um, we could share that with you. Um, it's a list from, as I said, from 2016. It's kind of an Excel list or PDF that we've highlighted everything we've done uh, in a green and everything that's been funded in a yellow. So it's pretty easy to just go through. It's by district. It's by park. So it's like broken down and pretty simple to read. Um, 
and I don't recall um, her, what her other. Her third question um, was if there's a plan to do another assessment or like those three assessments, if there's a plan to uh, do those again. Um, there is a need to do one of those assessments. Right now it's not currently funded. We are working on trying to figure out how we can fund that um, to do that. It, it was kind of a major undertaking um, to do that. I think the parks assessment alone was three months and two full-time staff to visit every park and check that, um, to, you know, to do the, the list. But the legwork's been done with the GIS system, so it, it wouldn't be as long, but um, I think that we can look at that. But right now it's currently not funded, but we do need, we'll be looking at that and finding a way to do that. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Gallardo, good? Thank you. Uh, I was also gonna ask for the um, maintenance list to be um, sorted by district. Um, if you have that, if you can share that, because I know that that's something that I worked on last year to make sure that was more um, transparent with um, commissioners. It just helps us to know uh, as we're getting inquiries, but also for equity, that's good for us to, to be aware of. Um, my questions have to do with um, any um, uh, grant funding. Um, does this department seek grants or state or federal funding? Um, to try to chip away at the um, deferred maintenance total that you mentioned of 137.1 million? Yeah, absolutely. We currently have, of the 60-something projects we have in the queue, 20 of them are grant-funded um, from various sources. They could be CDBG funding. There's um, We have some federal grants. We have some money that came through uh, the assembly member. So um, we're actively seeking that right now. We're kind of at a capacity with the work, with the staff we have, um, with the amount of grants we have, but we're always looking at other opportunities and, and ways to you know, chip away at this. Thank you. Uh, and so um, I've been on this commission since 2017, and uh, one of the things that um, was brought to light um, in that year was the number of community centers that had been um, either closed or um, not in use any longer. And so I wanted to know if those were part of your deferred maintenance. Um, is there, does that, when, is there like renovations or building of um, community centers? Um, do you have a specific example? I mean, I can think of something like Wind Park is a park building that we're currently trying to renovate. We've done the first phase to get up to a cold shell. We've got the funding now to, to start with the second phase and we're working with facilities department to do that. So we're hoping to bring that building back online. Um, we have a couple other vacant buildings um, such as Mangan Park has one um, and then there's one at uh, Olympians Park. And right now we currently don't have the funding to bring those back online, but we are always looking for granting opportunity, grant opportunities or partners who maybe they could come in and help fund uh, the renovations of those and get those up and active again. I think that that's, that's what I'm, I'm referring to. Um, the buildings that had been closed over the last, well, I guess previous to 2017, wanting to know what the status of those are. So will that be on the deferred maintenance list as well? Or are those, once they're not funded, just put into like delayed form or? Um, I think the deferred maintenance, uh, I'm not as familiar with the facilities one uh, as I am the other parks one, but um, I'm not, I'd have to double check to see which buildings are on there, if, if those ones that are not active, if they're on there or not. I, I believe they are, but I, I can't confirm that right now. I can I, look I ask that because I'm looking, always looking for opportunities to ensure that we're, you know, 
opening what we close because I feel like we owe that to our community for services. Um, and, and when we close them and don't open them, obviously that takes away from communities because I always see the same names of the same parks over the last few years. And so it's, uh, I've, just, I've just become aware, I can close my eyes and tell you what, what they are, right? But I'm always looking for opportunities to ensure that we're um, growing our services. And I know that uh, budget's always an issue, but we're here to serve the community. And then lastly, I wanted to ask on the Matsui Park, is that an improvement or, or installation? Because that's a well, newer it, park. Well, it, it's an older park um, but that has been in disrepair for quite some time. Uh, you know, the irrigation has been pretty much gone. All the site furnishings were gone. All the concrete was kind of broken. And we kind of got to a crossroads of, do we just fix it? And then the tree foundation came as a partner and kind of came up with this idea to kind of pursue this Hanami line and, and kind of go with the Mozak um, area and kind of have an extension of that a little bit. Um, so. We thought it was a great opportunity and we went after a grant with Tree Foundation and we got the grant. So, um, you know, it's a little bit of both. It is new, but um, it is repairing a lot of expanded stuff. Expanded uh, yeah. version? Yeah. Is that an expanded version with the walkways and the and the, uh, the amenities that you plan to put there? Because I know that we had a presentation at some point, perhaps that was due Leadership Sacramento 22 that I saw that. But I, I did see expanded plans and I know that the trees had become um, older and weren't, you know, at that time, right, before, like before the pandemic. And so, yeah. um, where, what's the timeline for that park? Um, it's out to bid currently with the bids are due next week. Okay. Um, so as long as we get good bids within budget, we plan on moving that forward relatively quickly. And our goal is to have it for spring of 2024 um, for the Hanami Line Festival, which is the cherry tree blossoms. Um, obviously, that's weather pending and everything else through the winter months we'd be constructing. Yeah, those are all my questions. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Boone? Thank you for the presentation um, and information. I just had a clarifying question. So the plan is not to redo the assessments necessarily because they're costly and they're time consuming. So is the plan that the assessments were done, the GIS mapping tool is created, and then that informs like priority and project moving forward? Uh, a little bit of both. So it's not completely redoing the assessment because when we did the assessment, we had to build the GIS database and we went in there. Now we have all the amenities already in the database. So it's really just going back to the items, taking new photos, making new notes, and then updating kind of an estimate of where we're at today with those costs. So um, a lot of the heavy lifting has been done out there, but there still takes someone that goes out to the site and is going to have to do an assessment and all the uh, all the amenities and all the... And is this the same GIS mapping tool we saw previously, I think maybe my first month, where it was potentially going live or public? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's become the basis of a lot of things. Like it, the, it started with the amenities, like it, we, the, it started as a deferred maintenance tool and then it became this amenities database and it became like, uh, you know, it's just kind of built on that and we keep adding layers of the GIS to keep doing that. So it's still the basis of it and the GIS portion of it has just been spread to several different divisions and, and outreach and stuff, so. Okay, thank you. Commissioner McCarchek. Yes, um, first, <clears throat> sorry. Um, first of all, thank you very much for the presentation. Very informative. I like all the photos, I gotta say. Good, very good improvements. Um, in terms of just kind of a, kind of estimating, like, when could we have a new 
like um, updated deferred maintenance assessment and kind of those three assessments. I know you said like obviously we don't have the funding necessarily now, um, but do, do you have a timeline of like roughly maybe when that could be? Until funds are identified, I don't know. I mean, it could Fair be something enough. we look at with Measure U reallocation or something like that. I don't have a timeline specifically in mind. I mean, it, it is something we need to do, but I've, we obviously know that we have 130 something yeah. million at least out there <laughs> without taking into account anything that's new. So yes, we do know that uh, we need to do that, um, but I don't think there's a timeline in, in figuring out staffing or if that would be a consultant that we'd hire on to do that would be the next step. And in, in tackling that current, like, $130 million, um, do you think we'll get caught up with that? I, I know. <laughs> I mean, that's a tough question. Yeah. I mean, it, you, know, on, you know, deferred maintenance or ongoing maintenance is one of those things that's just always happening. Uh, you know, to chip away at that, I think there's always going to be some level of deferred maintenance. Um, I'm hoping that, yeah, we'll get it down at low, or like a lower, more manageable number someday, but it's, we're chipping away slowly at it as we can, but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever just completely go away. I, I can't see that happening. And what's the best way the commission can help you achieve that, do you think? Um, well, I mean, it's, uh, if, you, if you find opportunities for funding, you know, I mean, that's obviously one of the big, that's, that's our biggest thing, staffing and funding. Those are, those are the two things that are kind of driving it right now. Uh, you know, if we can get it funded and then yeah, having the staff to complete them in a timely fashion is, you know, right now we're looking at almost a two, two and a half year backlog of projects trying to get those done. Fair enough. Thank you very much for all the work you're putting in. Thank you. Commissioner Flores. <laughs> Thank you, Chair. Um, I, too, was there at the 2017 meeting with uh, Commissioner Gallardo Good uh, on deferred maintenance. And I remember that night because... It was a very big number that we got that night, and it was one of the biggest numbers, right? Over 140 million. So to hear, hearing that assessment in today's terms, that it's down to 120. If you would have told us then that in some point that that huge number was going to be reduced down to 120, um, is a victory in itself. Because I know all, all of us commissioners at that meeting were just overwhelmed. Was like how. How do we get this down? And I know it's incremental, so just recognizing that meeting to today, and we're always going to be talking about deferred maintenance, but you know, just I want to also recognize being at that meeting and then hearing it tonight, the delta is significant. So, uh, so kudos to everybody that was involved in that staff, you know, planning everything just to get it down and actually because those are tangible results right at the end of the day uh 20 million is not nothing to sneeze at i know you know half a mil here half a mil on improvements you never see right like a bathroom irrigation line is something it's not visible but it's so important to we heard public comments about bathrooms right so i um so I just you know just uh, hold space for that um uh, you know, Chair Vasquez came, came online. I was going to ask those same three questions, so thank you. She beat me to it, and then Commissioner Good, also you beat me to that part, those parts too. Um, I did want to uh, talk about trees. I, uh, it's not necessarily deferred maintenance, but maybe it needs to be a category onto itself. Since all these trees are being planted by the city, uh, by this department, and then some of these trees, you know, vandalism occurs and. 
other issues occur is like if we put in 20 trees and like five break or the or the stakes break or whatever because i know constituents have hit me up saying hey how do we replace the ones that we just put in you know they they value that sweat equity of putting in trees and then some of them are dead and so how do we replace them so what category does that go into i don't know if it's deferred maintenance per se or ongoing capital improvement like where does that it's it it's a spectrum of all of it, right? Like it's, where does that go to? I know it's a relatively, probably a relatively small dollar, but there has to be some sort of like, <laughs> you know, way to like, hey, let's improve some spikes and the manpower it takes to even do that. So recognizing that. So maybe that's a topic for later. I'll put that on a pin. Like how do, with all these trees that we are putting in, how do we make sure they survive over the multiple years? It's not just the one shot. It's how do we make sure those parts to add to the canopy because canopy is so important. So we need to get it there and it takes multiple years to get there. And then Commissioner McCarchek, you know, that's worse to answer your question. How can we help out? And that's always a question that comes up every year with this, this topic. And then that's where our unique positions as commissioners comes in. One, um, you know, I know you're the youth seat so you don't have like a council member to check into per se but i know you know uh, council members so that's where we use our voice to empower that hey we just got this report hey there's 130 million hey it's budget season hey it's mid-year budget season right like and i know some of those items have come to council at, at spot checks but that's where that's part of our duties is to advocate for the constituency and the facilities and the assets out there because staff can say it at one in one sense, right? Like, yeah, it needs $10 million to do this, but they can't, that's where they're the staff of the city, that our voice is different in that conversation. So we need to um, rally our troops per se, because there's eight folks up here that makes the final decision. And so we need to champion that. So that's an offline conversation up here from the dais, but in this forum, that's how, as a commissioner, we use our voice to advocate on behalf of YPSI that, hey, there's a big budget item that's massive, that's always gonna be there. We need a sustained um, funding for that. So just to circle back with you. Um, yeah, I think I think that's it. But yeah, I just wanna recognize that, hey, that the, the, the number, the delta is significant. Thank you. Commissioner Ford. Thank you for the presentation and for letting us pepper you with all these questions. Um, I just wanted to close off, um, what is standard practice on the assessment? Like how often is it done? Like what would be a good practice? And I'm just wondering because like looking at this um, amounts, right? And if the assessment was done in 2017, just thinking about true costs, is that, you know, is that the actual cost that we're really looking at um, today, right? And so just wondering what, what the strategy is going to be going forward and thinking about best ways to really assess, um, you know, the, the, the true cost. And I, and I don't have an exact answer. I mean, I would say in that seven to 10 year range is probably, you know, somewhere where you would probably want to do that just because um, things change. I mean, obviously our park maintenance workers are out in the field every day. If they see something that's really needs attention, they're going to address it. It may not make it onto the deferred maintenance list, but it's being taken care taken care of so um, I mean we have other mechanisms just because it's not on the list doesn't mean it's not it's just being completely ignored so 
Um, but just because it is such a large undertaking, I think you know in that seven to ten year range seems like an accurate kind of timeline for kind of looking at that. Um, you know, with the pricing and stuff that you know that's a little you know the pricing is based on kind of like generalizing you know by amenities or something you know kind of looking at those. So uh, yeah, I mean. Is it 100% accurate? Probably not, but it's in the ballpark of where, where we're probably sitting um, in the deferred maintenance. And then we have to take each project one by one and estimate them and see what the actual cost is going to be. I know. Yeah, I, I would have to look into that a little bit more. I'm not 100%. Um, I know there are some cities that do not have any kind of you know list at all so <laughs> got it thank you appreciate it commissioner lou um yeah i just want a little clarification um on the deferred maintenance items if they sit on there long enough they become a capital improvement right i mean we're going to fund it you, you if something's deferred long enough and then it's removed or taken out or it's not safe i mean is there some kind of range? I mean, I was just trying to get an idea because when you have so many deferred items and then they become a capital improvement, that's like a total, that's like saying, okay, it's so bad that we have to remove it and now we start all over again. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that can happen. I mean, some things, you know, when we do the deferred maintenance, I mean, it, you know, there's a lot of stuff on these lists that it might have been ranked a one, you know, so there's not really a whole lot going on there. Maybe it's some kind of minor stuff where there's a little bit of rust happening or something. So, you know, that, that could last another 20 years, you know, I mean, we don't, you know, really know, but that's why the new assessments are good and, and having, you know, park maintenance workers out there daily and kind of looking at stuff and checking it. But yes, I mean, some of the stuff that sits on the list for a long time, obviously is going to rise to the top eventually because it's going to need to be replaced because it's a safety hazard. So safety would be, that would move the deferred item to the top of the list. Safety is usually our number one uh, thing that we look at. All right, thank you. Thank you, um, thank you so much for this presentation. And um, I know it was information only, so I appreciate you guys um, answering our questions. This is a, a huge topic and we hear about it a lot when we're out in the community and we just like to be educated so we can explain, um, you know, and advocate for the hard work that you guys are doing, advocate for funding, um, and just ensure that our constituents understand the complexities of what's happening within the department. Um, so I did have a couple questions. Um, I, know that you had mentioned, you know, it took several months and several full-time staff to, to create these assessments. Um, do you have a ballpark of like what, what it would cost to redo this? Like are we talking like 10,000, 100,000? Um, the original assessment for just the parks portion, not including facilities or pools was $100,000. And that was creating the GIS system. Uh, giving today's dollars, I would say we're probably in that ballpark. It might be a little cheaper, but I think that's probably what it is to do a full assessment uh, on the parks equipment and visit all the parks. Okay, and that's just parks, not pools and community that centers. Okay, thank you. Um, and then you had mentioned that there was um, like 30 plus million dollars of projects that were already, that are funded to, to happen. Um, so was that like through like city council lauding funds, grants? Um, um, it's a combination of things, as I said. I think we have 62 current projects with that 30 million. Um, it's, uh, so there are various funding. It could be PIF funding, the park impact fees, the Quimby funding, could be Measure U funding or grant funding. 
it's a variety of funding sources, but that pool together, so. Awesome, thank you. Well, there's no other hands raised, so thank you guys so much for your presentation. All right, thank you. Um, all right, so we will move on to the next item, which is the IPSI annual budget presentation. And I see our director here, so there is a staff presentation. Um, so I will turn it over to you. They're getting it set up in the back. They'll be just a, okay. just a second. Thank you. Good evening, Vice Chair, Commissioners. I'm joining my team on the floor uh, today. So the item before you is the YPSI fiscal year 2023-24 proposed budget. We are planning to bring this item to council on May 16th and would love your feedback and support when we do. I wanna thank staff for putting together the proposed budget um, together in collaboration with our finance department and of course our city's management team. Okay, so the proposed budget for FY24 is $63.5 million and funds 742 FTE, which equates to 331 full-time and approximately 1,400 part-time and seasonal employees in our department. Um, this chart provides a historical context in comparison with our current funding levels. The modifications that you see from the current fiscal year to the proposed fiscal year are covered with increased revenue offsets, and I'll explain those more in the next slide. Um, this proposed budget will support the delivery of services through our parks, recreation facilities, and programs at the current service levels. So changes from the current fiscal year to the proposed fiscal year reflect revenue and expenditure offsets to right-size department budget and operations. This includes a revenue increase adjust adjustment of $1.6 million as we are returning to pre-pandemic service levels. We're seeing an increase in program participation, community center and park rentals, as well as special events. There are 4.18 FTE cost-neutral ad deletes that will help us to realign some of our programming and operational needs. Uh, we're deleting some vacant part-time aquatics and recreation positions that have been very difficult for us to fill. And those will help to offset the addition of some higher FTE or full-time positions that will better support our customer service, our aquatic facility maintenance and operations, and also the management of Clooney Community Center and Shepherd Garden and Arts Center that we reassumed the operations of in December of 2022. Um, these changes will result in an overall $1 million less impact to Measure U and general fund from the current fiscal year to the proposed FY24. This budget also includes a fourth R revenue and expenditure adjustment of $2.2 million. We've seen an increase in childcare participation levels also includes a citywide fleet and contract labor adjustments of probably of approximately 2.6 million. Um, and much of what you've heard in the prior presentation, um, as a result of the increased CIP demand and revenues, our park planning and development services team is adding three new positions at a net zero cost to sustain their high level of CIP project delivery. So hopefully we'll be able to knock out some more of those deferred maintenance projects in the upcoming year. 
EFC's budget is, is administered through six main areas of operation that support all of our goals, um, creating pathways to youth development, quality parkland and recreation facilities, lifelong recreation and learning, and community livability in strong neighborhoods. All of these areas that you see on the chart uh, collaboratively support the delivery of our core programs and services, and also maintenance and operations of our parks and facilities citywide. So the administration and fiscal services team is made up of eight full-time employees and directly supports YPSI's budget and fiscal services, the human resources within our department, procurement and administrative operations. The admin team currently manages over $34 million in grant program projects and 23 lease agreements, including citywide golf course operations and the Sacramento Horsemen's Association. The team also supports this commission, the Ann Land and Bertha Hinchel Memorial Commission, and they manage the Gifts to Share, uh, a nonprofit organization that supports the city's park, recreation, cultural, educational, and neighborhood improvement programs. Oops, sorry, there we go. Okay, the Park Safety Division is comprised of 13 Park Safety employees. That includes two Ranger Supervisors, nine Rangers, and two Assistant Safety Rangers. This team is responsible for the safe service, safety, and preservation of all 236 parks, bike trails, aquatics facilities, and community centers. Park Rangers are dispatched by the Sacramento Police Department and 311. They operate from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., 365 days per year, and we average three rangers on duty that provide services to all of our parks citywide. In the last year, our park rangers responded to over 3,000 calls for service, and our park ranger assistants posted over 4,500 park permits. The park safety team also works collaboratively with staff and other city departments to respond to the impacts of homelessness in our parks. They lead camp cleanup efforts, recently, recently removing 26.2 tons of trash in five large parks across the city. Also important to note recently, our park safety staff were first on scene to various critical incidents involving car accidents, water rescues, crisis situations that occurred in and around our parks, where our team's quick action and response resulted in eight lives being saved. Our youth division includes 74 full-time staff and 672 part-time and seasonal staff. This team supports Gypsy's workforce development, civic engagement, and expanded learning units. Annually, over 800 young people participate in workforce development programs like our Young Leaders of Tomorrow, Primetime Teen, WIOA, and Landscape and Learning averaging a $1 million investment directly in the hands of young people through salaries and stipends in these programs. The Civic Engagement Unit includes support for the Sacramento Youth Commission and the 10 commissioners that sit on that commission and represent the youth voice of Sacramento and our Summer at City Hall program. Summer at City Hall graduated 45 young people last year and is on track to accept 90 participants in this year's program, so doubling participation. YPSI also delivers the 4th R program. That's a year-round licensed childcare program on 19 school campuses across three school districts. The program serves over 2,000 youth annually, providing critical support for working families 
They also partner with Child Action to remove barriers to access for access to quality childcare. The Expanding Learning Unit includes Start and Teen ACES programs at Robles School District and at one location at Sacramento City Unified School District. These programs are primarily grant funded and they support over 2,000 youth annually in, before, in the before and after school environment. The Community Enrichment Division includes 100 full-time staff and 562 part-time and seasonal staff. This team supports a variety of recreation and wellness activities for residents of all ages and abilities across the city. Our community centers provide primarily free programming and access to safe space for over 6,500 youth and teens through in-person after-school programs, summer camps, preschool camps, and teen events. We saw a 62% increase um, in participation over this last year. Our community centers also host special events for over 10,000 families annually, and staff have increased program and service offerings for older adults with over 20,000 senior visits in this year alone. Our team also works very closely with youth serving nonprofits and community partners to utilize our centers for programs and services. So far, we've waived almost $200,000 in rental fees this fiscal year through council approved fee waiver and fee reduction programs. Our aquatic section operates 12 neighborhood pools, four wading pools, the regional aquatics complex, and the regional aquatics complex. This last year, we had one, nearly 100,000 visits to recreation swim, and also in the last year, all of those visitors with zero critical incidents occurring at our pools. In addition to recreation swim, aquatics programs for youth and adults of all ages include swim lessons and aquatic safety classes, swim team, junior lifeguard and lifeguarding, water aerobics, lap swim, and, swim, and special events. This fiscal year, we've seen an increase in participation across all of our aquatic safety programs, and over $30,000 was awarded in swim safe scholarships that provided free swim lessons, free swim team participation, and lifeguard scholarships and lifeguard certification reimbursements to youth across the city. Our older adult services section operates the Hart Senior Center. They host over 10,000 visits annually in programs that provide lifelong learning and fitness, social connections and resources to support seniors living in our community. Older adult services also provides respite for 80 and growing family and caregivers through the Triple R licensed adult day program, which is for older adults with dementia um, at three different locations across the city. Also in the Community Enrichment Division, we have a reservations office. They issued over 500 youth and adult sports field permits and over 1,300 picnic reservation permits with a focal point on creating an inclusive environment for all with offering spaces for picnics, special events, swim meets, sports tournaments, games, and practices. Our youth and adult sports program runs year-round non-competitive programming that is focused on health and fitness and creating social connections. Programs include softball, volleyball, basketball, baseball, and skate camps. And our access leisure team includes certified recreation therapists that provide accessible programs for youth and adults with disabilities with an emphasis on inclusion, sustainability, and creating a sense of community and belonging. And we can't forget about Camp Sacramento that's located in El Dorado National Forest. That program provides outdoor recreation and mental and physical health through overnight family camps, outdoor enrichment programs, and access to nature and environmental education. <laughs> 
Our park maintenance team is supported by 125 full-time park maintenance employees and 10 seasonal maintenance workers. They are responsible for the care, daily care and maintenance of the city's 236, soon to be 237 in a few days, I think, um, of developed parks, community gardens, bike trails, and open space um, that, and open space areas that span over 4,000 acres. Our current funding levels uh, for staff provides only the very basic landscape services and general upkeep, the concept of mow, blow, and go for our city's 236 parks. Our team does much more than that though. In addition to the daily maintenance, including landscape, restrooms, and trash cleanup, staff are tasked with responding to over 2,600 311 requests each, each fiscal year um, for additional services or matters of special concern that may include safety, environmental sustainability, litter removal, and vandalism. In fiscal year 23, staff took on the additional responsibility of four new parks, two new community gardens, and of course the treasured McKinley Rose Garden. Our park planning and development services team includes 14 full-time employees, and they deliver millions of dollars in park projects that directly support youth and families' safe use of our park amenities. This division is roughly 97% cost recovery with reimbursements collected through CIP budgets and PIF and Quimby funds. So far this year, the park planning team has delivered over $10 million in citywide projects with 62 active projects valued at $32 million. You heard much of this already from our prior presentation. So a couple of highlights for the current fiscal year. Overall, um, as a direct investment, YPSI has made a $24.5 million direct investment in our youth. This uh, investment supports youth annually in ages zero to 24 through direct programs, many of our partnerships with nonprofit organizations and community care holders, through our facility use fee waiver program and our infrastructure. Direct program examples have all been mentioned tonight, including our workforce development program, the citywide youth resource and job fair that our team is responsible for coordinating every year, free and low cost after school and summer camps, summer camp programs, aquatic safety and swim lesson programs, preschool age camps, access to free wellness rooms at many of our community centers, family special events, and the list goes on and on. Another highlight to share from the current fiscal year is our older adult services program. Um, they've expanded this year in community centers and at Hart Senior Center to respond to the social, social isolation that many of our older adults experienced during the COVID pandemic. As a result of safe and strategic programming, we saw a 44% increase in senior visits for drop-in programming and a 61% increase in our Meals on Wheels participation program that happens at our community centers and at Heart Senior Center. Additionally, our Triple R program, the Adult Licensed Daycare program, received a grant through the state of California for dementia care services. Our program was selected as a model licensed adult day program to address the health and well-being of older adults and their caregivers and advanced health equities. That's a huge achievement for our older adult services team. 
You heard a little bit about um, our Equity Lens dashboard tonight, and we shared information with you on the dashboard in a prior presentation. But to address disparities in service levels in Sacramento's park system in the most equitable way possible, our team developed Sacramento's first GIS park amenity equity lens dashboard. It's a mapping tool to analyze park amenity data through an equity lens. Um, this tool allows us to better understand the overall distribution of amenities in relation to under-resourced communities in Sacramento. It incorporates several metrics from community ranking, child density ranking, quality of, and quality of service. YPSI also takes into account other factors, including lit and unlit sports fields, the quality of sport field maintenance, and the availability of restrooms and parking. The equity scores that are produced through this tool will help determine if a particular field has high potential to serve an under-resourced community and also make sure that our investments in field maintenance are being made equitably. Our park plan 2040, um, very exciting. We're coming close to an end. In 2019, YPSI began working on the park's plan 2040, and this plan will identify the community's vision and priorities over the next 20 years as they relate to our parks and facilities, youth development, and recreation and community enrichment. This plan will identify standards, policies, and implementation strategies to manage and enhance our parks, our recreation facilities, trails, programs, and events, and any related services. We shared with you some information at the last meeting about the statistically valid survey that was recently completed for the parks plan, and that confirmed that the majority of our residents rate the quality of life in Sacramento positively with parks and recreation as important to the overall quality of life. And again, we're nearing the finish line with our parks plan um, and are looking forward to completing that close to the end of this year in partnership with the city's 2035 general plan. North and Thomas Community Center and Aquatics Complex completed its first year of full year of operations this past April, serving hundreds of thousands of youth and families citywide across the region with water safety, recreation, and community programs and events. Another award recipient, excited to share that North Natomas Community Center and Aquatic Center also received the California Parks and Recreation Society State Award of Excellence for Facility Design this year. I mentioned earlier that the Clooney Community Center, Shepherd Garden and Arts, and Memorial Rose Garden were taken over in December 2022 after 10 years of being operated by a local nonprofit. Our team came together to support a smooth transition and strategically used existing resources without any additional resources to keep these facilities open and operating for the community to enjoy, even now expanding many of the opportunities that we're providing for our youth and families at both of those facilities. And they're all very well aware of the storms that impacted our entire city at the end of 2022 and early into 2023. Our park maintenance staff took on additional emergency maintenance responsibilities following the series of storms that destroyed 191 trees and damaged an additional 406 trees and the destruction of an estimated $430,000 worth of park infrastructure. Over 6,500 cubic yards of vegetative debris was created by these storms and our staff is currently in the restoration and replanting phase of storm response. So far, they've dedicated over 4,600 hours of effort to storm response. So moving on to our objectives for the upcoming fiscal year. <coughs> Excuse me. We plan to continue to expand access to programs and services that support youth development, workforce development, safety, 
safety, health, and mental wellness through direct program delivery training and partnerships with our community care holders. We also look forward to completing our Parks Plan 2040 for approval and adoption by the end of this year and begin the preliminary stages of our department's strategic plan to develop strategies for implementation over the next five years. And this is likely where we will have further discussions around updating our deferred maintenance list and ensuring that we have the tools in place to be able to appropriately prioritize um, many of those projects. We plan to continue to develop and expand our equity lens dashboard to include additional park amenities and eventually facilities so that they can play a role in some of the allocations and resources, um, allocation of resources and investments that we have available to us. YPSI is also committed to ensuring that diversity, equity, and inclusion are integrated into our decision-making, services, practices, policies, procedures. We're going to continue to review our operations and processes with an equity lens and utilizing tools like the dashboard that support equity and fairness. This will include a review of our department-wide inclusion process for participation in many of our programs and also our sports field allocation guidelines that need to be reviewed. We are committed to prioritizing our deferred maintenance, as we've talked about tonight, for park and facility improvements, and we'll continue to seek uh, creative strategies for funding and growing, for funding uh, the growing backlog of maintenance. It's also priority, as indicated, through our statistically valid survey um, in, the, in the parks plan. It's very important to our community that we do that. Park maintenance has managed over 18,000 volunteer hours in the past year, and by formalizing a department-wide volunteer program that involves our youth, Commissioner, uh, we can make a significant impact on the quality of our parks and programs while also creating additional opportunities for youth engagement and community stewardship. We will also continue our climate and sustainability efforts. The Sam and Bonnie Pinnell Community Center recently received grant funds to be upgraded as a resilience hub. We'll also work collaboratively with other city departments to implement methods of water conservation and improving our environment by, by planting, maintaining, and restoring our tree canopy, much of what we talked about tonight. We also prioritize pursuing joint use agreements um, and opportunities and collaborative relationships with school districts and our community partners to continue to best serve our youth and families through parks and recreation facilities and these creative partnerships. And with the realignment of staffing that's proposed in this budget, and as we continue to recover from the pandemic, we will focus our efforts on creative recruitment and retention strategies and prioritize really taking care of our staff, the people that are out every day, keeping our parks and facilities clean and green and safe for our youth, adults, seniors, and families to enjoy all of the benefits that they have. That concludes my presentation. And on that note, this is just a small snapshot of some of our incredible staff you will notice that I didn't refer to our team as FTE because they are people that are out there every single day providing the great work that this, that this department does to serve our community. Happy to take any questions. Awesome, thank you, Director Beecham, for that presentation. Clerk, are there any members of the public who would like to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers and I have a couple hands raised online. Our first uh, speaker is call on user ending in 4366.
Yes, my name is Lambert, and this is a very good report. I will study it further, and I really have a chance to sit down and, and study it, but it, it sounds good, and we'll, we'll be monitoring how much of Yipsy's budget went into uh, District 2. Now, there's a group called the Grant Drumline, and I'm a big advocate for them. They're teenagers at Grant High School, and they're having dip. As a matter of fact, they were uh, performing during the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors games at Golden One Center. That's a tremendous honor. I didn't even know that till I was watching TV. But they're trying to go to Europe. Last year they went to D.C. and New York. This year they're trying to go to Europe, and they're having difficulties raising the money. They should have no difficulties if Yipsy's serious about helping teenagers because this group brings tremendous recognition to the city of Sacramento. You can't put a dollar amount on that. Of course, it's Grand High School. That's a winning tradition over there. But in terms of funding, there should be enough money money at Yipsy to help those teenagers get to Europe. So I hope someone looks into that because it's easy to find them, the Grant Drumline at Grant High School. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Diana. Hi, thank you. I have a couple of questions. One is it was mentioned that there were three new positions and that those three new positions would help reduce the deferred maintenance backlog. And so I was wondering how that would occur. What positions in particular were they? Um, in addition to that related to positions, is how many open positions, maintenance-type crew positions, are there in the north area, North Yard, the, the one with the headquarters on Main Avenue? And lastly, there's nothing budgeted for Robla. Um, I didn't see anything budgeted in the in the 23-24 section for Robla. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Victoria Vasquez. Thank you, and thank you for the presentation. Um, congratulations on all the awards. And um, yes, that's a beautiful snapshot of staff, which are incredible people, <laughs> keeping everything safe and green. Uh, wonderful job. Thank you for explaining everything that's happened throughout the year and giving us the numbers of people served, which I think is always an important number to keep in mind. Um, I do wonder, you know how we can advocate uh, for this budget going forward. I would like to know, can we get some clean numbers for how much a new assessment would cost, uh, especially considering that the GIS database is already built um, for each assessment? And then maybe adding on, you know, three years in a row, that additional ask for how much that assessment would cost to bring us up to a place of safety, um, as opposed to maybe prioritizing new development, maybe we're prioritizing, you know, deferred maintenance instead. Um, I also wonder, I know, it, for an example, in Tahoe Park in District 6, that our Tahoe Park swimming pool remains on this list, 
because our contractor uh, did not build to specs. We kind of had to tear down and rebuild. And I, I hear this a lot that we have accepted the lowest bid for a contractor um, and the work is subpar. It needs to be fixed um, sooner. It's not, um, it, it doesn't drop off our list because it's, it takes more time to complete. So how can we advocate for you with maybe the city manager's office to change um, accepting lowest bid? Um, I know that the other commissioners are gonna ask more about district numbers and I'd like to hear their questions as well. Um, but thank you for that presentation, director. It was great. Thank you for your comments. Uh, Vice Chair, I have no more uh, members of the public with their hand raised. Thank you so much. Uh, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Uh, Commissioner Ford. Thank you for the presentation and for your leadership. Um, it, it's a big undertaking and seeing all that you have done over not just this year but over time so just want to commend you for the presentation and, and the numbers um, obviously there's a clear increase this, this upcoming fiscal year right and so wondering um, what like the the difference of increases over the year um, and if you could just maybe I know it was a big presentation but maybe highlight the, the big ticket items that um, you know increased the budget can I go back to the so, and I know that was like 25 slides ago, um, but I talked a little bit about in the beginning the proposed budget change. And while it appears that our budget is growing, is in fact growing, but that's the whole budget. That's not um, at a cost. So we've increased our revenue, our obligated revenue by $1.6 million and uh, our revenue ex exp our revenue offset, our revenue adjustment is offsetting any additional expenses that we have. So the impact to measure you in general fund is actually $1 million less in the upcoming fiscal year than it is in the current fiscal year, if that makes sense. Thank you. I, I think I was looking at the at the graphs. And so when you look at the graphs and it's showing like the increase. And so I did note the, the revenue, the different revenue sources as well. So just thank you for that. And, you know, let us know how we can support uh, this moving forward for, for city council. Thank you so much. And I, I'll note here, this is the approved budget going forward is specifically for measure you and general fund. Um, this, in, this is all inclusive. Our fourth R program is an enterprise fund. That's all revenue and expenditure adjustments of well in the tune of $2.2 million, um, but that netted out um, to zero impact on the budget, basically. So you're seeing a change from the current fiscal year to the upcoming fiscal year, um, but the, the measure you and general fund impact is less $1 million. I guess the last feedback would be like, if you, I mean, I would highlight those just off bat. I know you did throughout the presentation, but um, when folks are looking at numbers, like they're just gonna be like, oh, it's like an increase. And okay. so just thoughts. Thank you, I'll do that. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Gallardo, good. Hi, thank you for that presentation. Um, there's two things I wanted to um, um, talk about. Uh, one is the um, amount of park safety. I'm highly concerned about the 3% and wanted to know if that was a standard and where did that come from um, for to have um, 
13 personnel managing 236 parks is, uh, that is inequitable. Uh, and I'm concerned, um, not only for residents, but for their own morale. That's a lot of work for um, a small team that does so much, especially saving lives and and uh, doing the, the, the permits and um, doing the work that we have. We know that not only do we have parks that are highly visited um, in, in um, communities, but also those that are closed off and still having to um, maintenance that. So I uh, wanted to know if there is some type of advocacy to um, grow that team and uh, how can we help? Um, because obviously they're part of, of YPSI and it just, it, just, it just seems that that is just a shocking number. And I've brought this up before, Jackie, so I'm yeah. sorry to bring it up You're, again. No, but I don't feel apologize. like there's just things that I, no. I've brought up over the, over the years, and, you know, we just kind of, um, here we are, 2023, and um, I'm just concerned. In short, I agree with you. Um, I can't speak to um, standards, but I do know that um, our team, our park safety team, is in response mode, um, not proactive education. Um, they are simply responding. Um, and to many high-level incidents or situations, not doing simple education in our parks. So it's difficult for them to make it out to the regular calls that you would see a park ranger responding to. Um, we do have some significant needs. In prior, prior budget proposals, staff have recommended additional um, park safety staff. Um, those requests have been denied. There have not, there's not been an available budget. As I mentioned at the beginning of the presentation, um, our direction from um, the, the city manager's office is to move this forward as a net zero budget, um, really focusing on recovering right sizing. So as creative as, as we can get with realigning some of our resources, but not having any impact um, because the overall city outlook is in a very similar position as we are. So um, in a perfect world, we would need 13 additional positions in order to make our park safety team whole. That would include a chief um, position, it would include 10 rangers and two assistant rangers. And um, we do have that costed out, but it didn't make it into this budget proposal um, because we were instructed to keep this as a right sizing and recovery budget and remain status quo from the current fiscal year. Uh, we've worked closely with our team to ensure that they have the resources as best they can be provided, work closely with Department of Community Response with PD to work together, keep those lines of communication open. Um, our assistant director, Shannon Brown, leads the park safety team and does a fantastic job staying in communication with them. While it's still not enough, this is the first time that we have ever had all 13 positions filled. So we have more park rangers now than we ever have before. While it still not, may not be enough, uh, we're more whole than we've been in the past. So it will continue to be a priority for us um, and as the opportunity presents itself, this would be one of our first recommendations to be able to provide additional support to our park safety team. Okay. And we're still adding, what, four positions to YPSI? Uh, park planning, so, so we are adding some positions, but also deleting positions in exchange for them. So the total FTE is an increase of 4.1, uh, sorry, FTE change is 4.13, but we deleted several positions in order to get those additional positions. I think the right sizing for our community of over 500,000 
people in the, in the city of Sacramento and 236 parks is not 13 rangers. So right. I, I, yeah. I think I just got a new talking point for my visits in City Hall. And then the last thing is the GIS Park Amenity Equity Lens Dashboard. Have you provided an overview uh, to, um, to this commission? Yes, that was presented, um, I believe, at our first, at our first commission meeting. Um, it was presented, and I have a link that I can share with you so you can access it and play around with it a little bit. Yeah, I'd like that. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you very much. Commissioner McCarshek? <clears throat> yes. Um, very great presentation, um, and I kind of have some overall um, kind of clarifying stuff. Um, in regards to the, the youth funding and kind of versus community enrichment um, stuff, I was curious um, what denotes kind of the um, like categorizing um, the like like teen slash youth oriented programs under the community enrichment part of the of the budget versus the youth section. That's a really wonderful question, and it's hard. It's hard to really um, explain it, other than that. Um, Operationally, we have divisions, but really collaboratively, collectively, every single division supports youth services in some capacity or another. Um, majority of the participants that are served in our community enrichment division are also youth. But out of the youth division, we have our core units that are expanded learning, workforce development, and civic engagement. So the youth division really focuses on those core programs, which are primarily stipend-based workforce mm -hmm. development programs, the civic engagement programs that you're, that you're seeing. In the community enrichment division, you have more of your, um, all of your community center operations, your free after-school programs, your camp programs, many of your recreation-based programs happen out of the community enrichment division. It would be really difficult because many of our programs are so inclusive mm -hmm. and they support people from the ages zero to healthy aging adults. Um, and so it would be really difficult to separate the youth from, from all the services that we provide. Fair enough. Um, and I was curious if you could kind of expand or kind of clarify, like just kind of clarify. So even, so we have a budget increase, but the overall we're asking for less funding? Kind, or like, because it was like the net, the one million. Essentially, like, yes. And like what <laughs> is, and so it's like, net negative instead of net zero or like how does that play out so basically we are anticipating based on our current projections and what we're planning to how we're planning to operate in the upcoming fiscal year an increase in revenue obligations so we are expecting to bring in more revenue than that cost would be to us so um, that we were able to get additional positions by deleting other positions, but also increasing that revenue obligations. Our revenues will be offsetting the costs from this fiscal year in the tune of $1 million less. Okay. And, and that kind of goes into the, the goal of this, the, the, the right sizing and recovery bud, like budget. And what does that like kind of necessarily mean? Cause you also said that's like a citywide thing. And is that because of COVID or like what is like what is that necessarily um, like why is that the direction we're trying to so, why is that the goal? Yeah, so um, department or citywide, excuse me, 
majority of the modifications that, that other departments and recommendations that they're making are covered with increased department revenues and expenditure offsets or reductions. So um, budgets are remaining status quo by either reducing um, costs or increasing revenues. And then uh, the, these, some of these modifications are due to post-pandemic operations um, and also to support some of our council's priorities that have been, that have been established for us. Um, and any other initiatives or regulatory requirements. So the city um, will be presenting its budget um, citywide this next week to city council. Um, and then I get, again, I, I believe we'll hear from our public safety departments on the same day that YPSI will be presenting. Um, so you'll learn more about what, that, what those overall proposed budgets look like. Um, but you know, we're seeing um, homeless services that are, are continuing to need to be funded. Um, we are bringing the Children's Fund um, online, um, so there will be more to be, to be discussed there as well. Um, so I'd expect some, some updates um, along the way. Uh, but essentially, you know, we use this opportunity to identify where are difficult to fill positions. What sort of positions can we, can we remove those positions and add new ones in their place at the same cost? And we are, we are recovering very well from the COVID pandemic as far as participation goes. We aren't 100% back yet, um, but it's very clear to us that the community wants to be back in person. They want to be in our parks and in our community centers. Um, and so we are seeing that revenue continue to increase, which is a good thing for us. Very exciting. Thank you very much. Commissioner Robbins. Thank you, Director. It was a great presentation. One thing I saw on there was uh, the grant, uh, the joint agreement uh, was on there. I was wondering how, because I'm still kind of the newbie here, uh, how do we work as commissioners to help you guys work out, like say something like the Twin Rivers grant pool we keep on here? How can we help you guys make that happen and tangible and making our community happy with that? I would say um, have a seat at the table with us. We appreciate your advocacy and your support. Many of our commissioners already have those relationships um, in school districts and know who to connect our teams with and help to have those conversations. A lot of the really wonderful ideas or, or, or um, outcomes and product that we see all starts with that conversation that many of you bring to the table. So um, if you have ideas or suggestions for us, um, for example, 916 day is really coming to fruition because of a simple idea that some of our commissioners had. and so. That's really where it begins, and we would appreciate any sort of advocacy and support, making those connections, um, and working with us and our community partners um, to see how we can best work together. Thank you so much. That's all. Commissioner Flores. <clears throat> Thank you, Chair. Uh, uh, Director Beecham, uh, you kind of opened the door in your presentation as far as next steps, uh, like after the 2040 uh, plan is like, then that opens up the conversation of how do we implement this, and then your your commentary there was like hearing the appetite for uh, a future assessment maybe that's a combination between the chair and vice chair and executive team uh, maybe it's not this budget conversation in may 2023 but when it's mid-year when there's a slight opportunity for plus right there's there hopefully there's some council a uh, couple of dollars there that um you know past you know past budget items like uh the million dollar uh, RT for youth uh, came out of mid-year thing. So like a, maybe an opportunity there to say, hey, and then we're gonna, like somebody said, I think uh, community member Victoria on the telephone said, um, uh, um, 
you know, the, the, there's, a, there's an opportunity there um, for more numbers, right? Mm -hmm. We can't just ask if we don't have a, a, a number or, or a letter because, you know, line number one of our powers and duties is to make recommendations to council. So a combination of a letter or a combination of a joint statement saying, hey, this is really a priority for us going forward, but then how does that jive with the overall department's needs at that point in time. So I think there's a conversation to be had there to explore future uh, because you, uh, you, you we, there's a, it's, there seems to be an appetite here between us and then that answers Commissioner McCarchuk's question from earlier, how do we advocate? Well, it's like there is things to do as far as our voices, writing letters, um, joint statements, partnering with the department to say, hey, this is truly, an, uh, truly a priority going forward. Uh, um, because this, that would affect the future, you know, deferred maintenance number, and that's going to uh, affect future, you know, budget items going forward. So we need to have the best numbers we can, and we can't have the best numbers if there's no assessment. And so we need to fund the assessment to get those numbers. So, like I said, let's... And let, we need let, to find out how much the assessment costs. So we have some homework to do. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, there's a conversation to have. So it's not maybe a May 24. 23 conversation, but right. we know as soon as you give your report, it's on to the next report right immediately after. So, um, so I just want to at least bring that up um, to help answer some of the questions from the commissioners. I always want to shout out Triple R, uh, getting recognized. Uh, I love them. You know, I live five minutes away from one site, so it's always getting kudos uh, to them. Um, yeah. Um, and then anything we can do to uh, uh, bring voice to your presentation on the 17th, let us know. Thank you so much. 16th. 16th, excuse me. Just make sure you know the 16th. <laughs> okay, 16th, <laughs> sorry. Commissioner Boone. Thank you, Director. Um, I had a question because I saw a slide about the community gardens. Is it that the city's or the, the department's acquiring two new community gardens? We took over two new... We, we, took on the responsibility of two new community gardens in this current fiscal year. Okay, um, because Commissioner King and I were at a community garden cleanup recently, mm -hmm. and we were learning about the role that Ipsy plays and how nonprofits also contribute to some extent, and so I'm curious, because it seemed like it's already a challenge, and there was a slogan you had about like, grow, slow, blow. <laughs> Mo, blow, go. Okay, <laughs> so what is the idea or, um, maybe goal around like having these two new community gardens when there's already like sort of a strain. Sure, so so we actually have a, a, a um, community garden volunteer coordinator that provides support for all of our community gardens. He's only one person though. Yeah. Um, so that that's, Joe? that's, what was that? Is that Joe? Bill. Bill, okay. Bill. Um, and um, we rely heavily on volunteer groups in the community to provide support for the maintenance of those community gardens. So. I will actually see. Sean, anything you want to add on the community garden piece? Uh, uh, Join me up here. The garden you were probably at with Marisol, was that correct? <laughs> no, so I was actually um, on 12th and MLK. And now it's, it's actually going to be the Alchemist. Mm -hmm. It's the art garden. Um, but we were having just a general conversation about community gardens at large mm -hmm. and how there's a strain right now to maintain them. Like a lot of them are overgrown or they're not accessible. And so when I saw that two more were going to be under Gypsy, although like volunteers are awesome and can do some of the work, I just thought, how will that be feasible like long term? So long term, it is going to be, uh, it, well, it's a concern now, obviously. 
Um, our community gardens have historically and currently rely on the particip uh, participation of the gardeners in helping maintain those facilities. That really is a cornerstone of how we're able to sustain the community gardens is by through volunteer work days um, at our community gardens. That's, that's a key factor to their success. Uh, and we do have at times uh, more work than there, there are gardeners. Um, we do do our best to supplement that with a team of three. We did increase by one uh, team member here just this year. Uh, but again, as the demands for more community gardens come online, we have to, again, continue to rely on the support, volunteer support of gardeners um, or, and or other organizations that are willing to help out. But beyond that, we do face that struggle daily. Yeah, because I see the gardens as like a way to directly support food desert and inequity and especially communities that are underserved. And so I'm curious if maybe one of the new positions in the future would work to work with organizations that could do some of that work since there are only three gardeners. Um, and it's just like a, such a vital resource in our communities. They are, they're, they're a wonderful uh, complement to our park system. Uh, and again, the struggle is, is definitely a, a struggle across all of the parks, so. Yeah. I, I would also say as we, um, one of our objectives for the upcoming fiscal year we talked about developing and formalizing our volunteer program. Um, so that could be a great area, you know, um, that, we could, that we could focus on is in our community gardens, in the Rose Garden, in our after school program. So um, we're really looking at developing that program in a way that reaches a lot of um, those in our community that are inter interested in providing support for something like that. And as you know, I really do wanna support the volunteerism program. So I'm excited to see Anthony tonight. Absolutely. Thank you. Commissioner McCarchick. Um, I'm, I'm curious if you had like, um, if you had your way and you had any like big like asks for council to increase any sort of funding, kind of like what would be your priority for the next fiscal year? Yeah, our, I would say for the upcoming fiscal year, it would be um, a combination of park maintenance um, staff and our park safety staff. 100%. Um, we have some recommendations. Um, I don't have the numbers with me at the moment, but uh, would essentially involve uh, with our park maintenance team, the ability to establish a sort of strike crew, I'll call it, that would be responsible for helping us to maintain many of our athletic fields, our sports fields and athletic fields, um, to that above and beyond standard that many of our youth sports groups are looking to use. We rely heavily on some of the more organized um, you know, sports groups to provide some maintenance of those fields, which creates some um, equity issues as far as use goes across the board. We've had this conversation already. So if we were able to secure the resources to be able to provide a maintenance team that was specifically responsible for making these sort of field preparations and field maintenance um, at many of our athletic fields that are that are used by, by youth across the city, um, that would be a huge lift um, off of our maintenance team to allow them to focus on their other daily maintenance functions. Fair enough. Um, and kind of like if you like way back to your kind of goals thing with all like the circles, um, you kind of were mentioning the, um, yes, 
the uh, kind of school volunteer program that we were talking about, like, what is what is the future of that? What is like, yeah. what have you kind of envisioned thus far? So we we talked a little bit at, at the last meeting about establishing a um, a sort of volunteer work group that has been done internally. Hmm. Our next step will be to engage with you, with our other commissioner Boone, who I know is very interested, and anyone else who would like to participate and share ideas on how we can help to develop that program. Um, and really be more proactive in, in um, creating those volunteer opportunities and organizing those groups and leveraging that sort of sweat equity and that work to the places that need it the most. Um, so we will definitely be in touch as we continue to kind of develop that group. Um, we're filling some vacancies for some of our leader, leadership positions as we get those vacancies filled. We will be um, moving these work groups forward and hopefully um, a really wonderful program will, will come out of that. I'm very excited. Yes, thank, thank you. Um, yes, thank you so much for your presentation. Um, I actually just have like a logistical question. Uh -huh. um, so what happens next, like when this goes to council, are they voting on like this as a package? Do they go through by department and cross things out? Um, just wondering so we can advocate with our council members um, just how they how they look at this. Yeah, so it will go um, to our to, to council on May 16th for consideration and then I believe for final adoption as a whole with the rest of um, the city's budget on June 16th, 13th, June 13th is the final day. So um, I would, I would um, appreciate your support at the May 16th, 2 p.m. council meeting. I won't ever be bringing the same item to council. Um, okay, but so they look at just the 62 million number. They don't say like, take the money from parks and give it to youth. They just yeah. take the whole They number. look at the whole, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, well that item um, is review and comment, so no vote is required. So we will move on to the next item. Thank you so much. Uh, Director Beecham for that. So our next item um, is the 916 day standing updates. So um, Commissioner Flores. <laughs> Thank you, Chair Gaines, and you're doing a wonderful job. Let me just say that. Oh, wanted to butter you up really quick. Um, there's not, there's not, no real, there's a little bit of, of an update for 916 Day. Uh, in last month, I reported out to the commission that we were reaching out to a, a, a heritage organization and we hadn't necessarily heard back from them since the last meeting. We have a, a communicated with this a, a organization to partner with us in a joint partnership for 916 Day. Uh, that meeting is also on early um, uh, 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 May 16th in the morning time. Uh, to to further try to solidify a partnership with this organization. Um, uh, I, I hope it goes well. Uh, I hope we, we leave with uh, any, some, any final recommendations to 100% secure a partnership with a, a, a major group organization here that operates here in the city of Sacramento. Um, but that doesn't mean in addition to like us commissioners have ideas and working with uh, their representatives to already game plan what to do in September. Uh, so that can that can happen still in the background. I know uh, I've reached out to my council district of some of the ideas I would like to do in September. Uh, so that can be done. Um, I, I hope or we hope in June to have a more uh, more solid report as 
let's, we, we can announce it or when can we announce a partnership uh, with, a, with a potential uh, um, partner for 916 Day. So I think that's the, the update for now that there is a meeting on the 16th uh, to help solidify that forward. It, I, reading the tea leaves, it feels like a partnership might be coming, but uh, I don't want to jinx it and I don't want to say the name out just, just yet. So, uh, so yeah, with that, I think that's the, the update for now. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Boone, did you have an update for this item? I had a question for the clerk or for the attorney. Um, for those of us that are not officially on the subcommittee, but we want to cross-collaborate with other commissioners, how are we supposed to do that? Are we reserving those conversations for the formal meeting? Um, are we just not like exceeding a threshold that would violate the Brown Act? Are we not encouraged to collaborate for 916 day outside of these meetings? Um, so that's a, it's a good question. Um, obviously we don't want to discourage collaboration, but, um, with the council's no rules related to ad hoc committees, that does create some, um, challenges. And so, um, we don't have standing ad hoc committees any longer. Um, and so I guess, you know, the, the best time to do it would be during our open session meetings. And so if you want to talk about it during commissioner comments or if you want to talk to the chair about getting an, or to um, the director about getting an item put on the agenda to talk about these things, we can certainly agendize that and then you can have a, an opportunity to talk. Thank you. So, oh, go ahead. So, so, so I have a, uh, a question for you then in, in support of this, uh, this thread. Uh, I know that the city clerk's office changed the, the rules on, on committees, and it was my understanding, and maybe I need to be clarified a little bit better, uh, uh, if the chair and vice chair under new gathering committees, but it is 100% supported by the chair and vice chair, that is still okay. We used to call them ad hocs, correct? So let, let, uh, if we can get a clarification on that terminology, to, I, I want to help answer her question. Uh, in that sense, like, like, and then in, uh, in addition, this because the chair and vice chair have worked with the director and exec team to put this as a st standing item, so we we have advanced this particular conversation to put it on the item because of their efforts, um, uh, and then because of that. Um, I, I hear uh, uh, an interest for more people to be a part of this standing item. So how, given that those are the known knowns right now, like how can we, if we wanted to include additional commissioners to the conversation in addition to the vice chair and the chair? I think maybe I don't have enough background about the 916 committee to kind of answer your questions fully. So maybe, um, you know, obviously if, we do have that item on the agenda if there are things you want to contribute. I don't, I guess I don't know how much um, is going on behind the scenes um, related to that item. So perhaps um, I can talk with staff and get a better understanding of that. And then we can talk again next month. Commissioner Gallardo, good? Yes, um, but there's nothing that, that prohibits um, Commissioner Boone from speaking with Commissioner Flores about a desire to have a 916 event at any time outside of this meeting. We are allowed to communicate with each other. We just can't communicate with the majority. 
And I think because she's a new member, she's trying to ascertain how to be able to communicate uh, about said um, activities. Although we're not allowed an ad hoc committee mm -hmm. because of the new rules that were put into effect by the city clerk's office, it doesn't, um, it doesn't, uh, there's nothing that doesn't allow you to have a conversation with your fellow commissioner about uh, an effort and how we can support you on that. That's what I understand. Correct. And so, you know, I'm happy to talk one-on-one -on -one if you have specific No, questions. and just for context, so what happens is if I talk to Commissioner Kangas, another at-large member, but then I have a question that I want the vice chair and the chair to weigh in on, I, it's like, okay, now that's four people. And if they have to tap in with another person, so then it, it stops me from asking the question until this meeting. Um, so I know that I, can, I recognize that I can talk to like an individual, but then when it becomes this chain of like, I have to go, a serial, I have to go ask for feedback or just guidance in general about previous conversations, that's where it's, it's complicated. And I guess maybe the, the rule of thumb is, yeah, you have to wait monthly, but because September is right around the corner, that's a little unsettling. Yeah. Let's talk after about Brown Act and serial meetings. Um, you know, I guess the Brown Act prohibits you from trying to come to consensus with a majority of your board um, outside of a public session. And so, but if you're wanting to talk about logistics or wanting to talk about planning, um, so that's a different question. So let, maybe you and I can talk um, offline. I also don't really understand it. <laughs> so whatever you guys talk about, either I need to jump in or if we can like write up a quickie email like in layman's terms, like don't have five of you guys talking at one time, like whatever that might be, um, that would be helpful for all of us. <laughs> or maybe a presentation on how we communicate about the 916 day so that we can be prepared based on the new rules. Yes. Sounds good. Thank you. Um, so in the, oh, Commissioner Fortz. I, and I think it will help, like, consensus is, is, is very different than talking about logistics. So I think it would just be good to clarify. So if you're not trying to get consensus on a specific initiative, right, like, then we should be able to talk to each other. So just that's just my <laughs> reflection, but would love to hear, you know, if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, especially um, since that's coming up. I don't know who's in charge of like taking notes, but can you put that in the notes for next month that we need? We, we'd like that presentation. Who does that? Oh, right there. Thank you. Um, but in the meantime, this is the time that we can talk about it. So I actually do want to open up. Like when we're talking about 916A, is everyone clear on that? Does anyone have any questions, any comments, any ideas? Um, because yeah, September is like tomorrow. And so. We definitely want to get this ball rolling, especially if people are confused or, you know, not feeling um, supported in planning for 916 day. So, Commissioner Boone? Well, I'll just share that Commissioner Kangas and I met one-to-one, um, -one, and we talked about planning, like, a multicultural um, art day, either in South Sac or Del Paso Heights, um, that would center, like, tree planting. So, we just one met to meet, but then also to just think about what we would want to do. Um, and we haven't reached out, like we stopped at that point because I didn't want to reach out to the commissioner in that district and then now becomes three and then it becomes a serial meeting. So I just paused after that one meeting. That's my only update.
yeah, I went and reached out to the community to see what they wanted to do and what parks they wanted. I didn't want to be uh, like, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Well, I was more like the, the Garland Northgate Neighborhood Association. I'm like, what do you guys want to, what parks do you want to do? And it ended up landing on tree planting and mulching at Garland Park because of the, the wind storms. They lost one of the biggest trees ever. And uh, that's what we're going to do. You know, like we were saying, uh, Commissioner Flores said, like, maybe it could be a 916 week, you know, we, so that way you don't have so many different uh, tree plantings on the same day. So, you know, maybe one day we do it at another park and this park and that park but that's what the consistency in d3 is what 916 day is going to be so. awesome that's that's great i love to hear that commissioner flores uh, thank you chair um the, to to respond to commissioner boone i think you had the right instincts there when you had that conversation with uh, commissioner kangas and then you paused and and i think we're in a little bit of that we have new, new commissioners and new rules happen all simultaneously. Um, and uh, I think um, it wouldn't hurt to, to loop in the chair and vice chair because they, those, those, they have powers and duties that uh, are addressed in some of this to help in that confusion. And then that, um, and I think that can, I don't want to say, right, I think a, a, a good step is to at least loop them in because they are the, they're, they then are the ones that have meetings with uh, executive team members monthly to help uh, create the agenda. And that's also a touch point to say, okay, hey, on the rest of the calendar, you know, these commissioners are thinking about this for this particular, in September. So, um, so, so um, but to f more formalize like a committee and stuff like that, yeah, I think we do need guidance and a presentation of what are acceptable now that the, you know, there was new rules that were uh, codified late in the year last year. Um, so we're cotton, we're cotton like, there's this gray area that no one knows how to operate. Is, yeah, and how do we practice uh, uh, safely in that? So, but, but with the chair and vice chair meeting with exec team, that's the touch point to then uh, help you strategize is like, okay, at which park, which team members and stuff like that. So I think that could be a safe way. I don't want to say it is a safe way without further guidance, but, um, and then maybe I think that's a good touch point uh, to Director Beecham, maybe uh, uh, some of those norms or some of those operations because we do have a, a new set of commissioners that may not know some of that background process. Uh, um, uh, like what the vice chair and chair does and then how it interacts with the city um, attorney's office and city clerk's office. So, and I think maybe that's a good global uh, refresher operating moving forward. So yeah, there's, there was things that were done before in the past, but it's not the past anymore. Like, yeah, what is the correct way to operate? So I'll stop there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so one question though would be, you know, having us be cleared to be able to put together teams to go approach sponsors because there might be different people that we know. And since that's not necessarily, like, I forgot the word that we use, but like, you know, coming together to vote on anything. Consensus, thank you. It was like conglomerate. Um, since it's not about coming to consensus with anything, but approaching like sponsors and doing that piece, is that something that we would be able to come together to do? Let's talk offline and then next month we can have kind of a, big, a broader discussion with some of your more specific questions. If you want to provide your specific questions to staff and then I can come prepared to answer as opposed to just answering off the cuff, um, if that's okay. And then we can kind of get, get to the bottom of all that. Thank you. Director Beaton? If you can provide your questions, um, then maybe we can put it on the agenda as a discussion item for the next meeting. 
Yeah, because this is, I mean, it's about 916 day, but it's also sort of a broader question related to just communications. And um, so I think, yeah, I think it would be good to just have a, an item to talk about that. Commissioner Flores. And it might be helpful if there's other commission um, practices that has, that has, has happened uh, in these last few months of best practices or things that has worked. So in our questions, if there's other examples to then say, oh, you know, the Active Transit Commission did this. That would be helpful also. And then just circling back to 916 day, um, in District 8, there are a couple um, baseball diamonds that need repair that are on the deferred maintenance list. So that is going to be my recommendation um, to my city council member to do that. Um, I know um, council member Mai Vang is very big on the tree canopy in South Sac, so they might also want to plant trees and do like uh, tree planting. So I might just blow you all out of the water and do like 15 projects that week. I'm just saying, I might be the queen of 916 day after this, um, but that's what's uh, happening in District 8. Commissioner Herman. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> they're on the deferred maintenance list. I can pull it up though in my phone before the end of the day. But there was two, it was, it was kind of in, I believe it was in like the Valley High North Laguna area, I wanna say, but I'm just making stuff up. But it was two, two of them. What, do you have a baseball-like hookup or? very interested in helping um, kids have pl places to play baseball and they have uh, landscaping skills and lots of other things um, that are really interested in it. I know that um, uh, council member Valenzuela is looking to um, help the field in, um, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of the community there, that used to have a nice, really, really nice field for the home of the Panthers and whatever, but there's also a grass area near uh, Muir Market where we're looking to uh, renovate that space into a really nice uh, baseball field. Nice. Yeah, that's definitely connect. I, I need the For sure. So I'm like, I don't know how to help a baseball field. <laughs> Love to help. Love to help. Thank you. All right, I think that is it for 916 day. That was just an update. So now we are going to switch gears and have our youth parks and community enrichment director's report. Thank you. <clears throat> so just a couple of items because I've spoken quite a bit tonight. <laughs> um, excited to share on behalf of our youth division um, that WIOA has been recommended for funding by SETA in the amount of $222,000 um, that will support 32 young people in the upcoming school year. This program is a strength-based paid work experience program that provides pre-employment skill training and supportive services to students with significant barriers to academics and career. The approved youth in the program are hired as youth aides and placed at various work sites to complete paid work experiences through the completion of the school year. So this funding has increased 60% from the previous year and will now double the number of youth that we are able to serve from 16 to 32. Last week, our landscape and learning crew um, went to Tahoe Park and joined uh, uh, Chair Vasquez and Councilmember Guerra in a community tree planting event. 
This was a wonderful opportunity for our youth aides to learn new skills during the workday. Um, we've also begun the process of hiring 123 youth aides for the summer season. Youth are beginning to enter the onboarding process and recruitment for summer crew leads continues. The schedule for summer crew leaders is Monday through Friday, 36 hours per week, and the pay starts at 19.80 per hour. Applications are available online through May 26th. I mentioned earlier in our presentation that summer at City Hall will be taking up to 90 participants this year. We currently have over 150 applicants that staff are beginning to review right now. So really wonderful um, turnout for that program. And as we all probably know, Summer Oasis is full. Uh, Summer Oasis camp filled up within minutes of opening registration. So thank you for all of your help in sharing the information about that program among many others. For our park safety team, we have a continued partnership with Hope Cooperative on Mondays and Thursdays in the area around the Center for Outreach and Services near Del Paso Regional Park. We've also increased patrols for habitat violations um, due to the recent Hagen Oaks cleanup that our park safety team helped to support. Our park safety team also um, participated in a cleanup of Nino's Park Encampment where they removed over 3,500 pounds of debris and are continuing education at parks citywide as we're seeing a significant increase in off-leash dog complaints. Our park maintenance team is hosting a pruning and dead bloom, deadheading bloom event at McKinley Rose Garden on Saturday, May 13th. Another great opportunity to get out and volunteer. That's on May 13th from 9 to noon. Our Aquatics and Camp Sacramento programs are still actively recruiting and taking applications uh, for lifeguards, camp aides, and camp rec leader positions. We shared at the last commission meeting that we had several vacant lifeguard positions. Um, within days, many of those positions were filled. Then the issue was senior lifeguarding positions. So we were able to make a request through the budget office again, strategically realigning some of our resources. And in exchange for hiring senior lifeguards, hiring more lifeguards that will now enable us to hopefully fill all of those vacancies and have our pools operating at maximum capacity this summer. We had opening weekend at North Natomas Community Center and Aquatics Complex this last weekend for Recreation Swim and had one, over 1,000 visitors that came to the pool on Saturday and Sunday. And our older adult services section hosted Sports for Life soccer tournament. We talked about that at our last meeting as well. We had over 700 athletes age 50 and better participate, um, totaling 46 teams from all over, um, actually from all over California. And our youth and adult sports section, junior giants registration is still open. We have some spaces remaining. Over 650 youth have signed up so far. You can sign up online. Uh, the junior giants program is also looking for volunteers, speaking of volunteers, uh, to support our summer program. Scott Jensen, one of our staff, can be contacted um, if you're interested in a volunteer opportunity. We also have space available at a series of our four-day skate camps at 28th and B Street Skate Park that are happening this summer for ages 5 through 15. Um, and then we have sand soccer happening at the Sacramento Softball Complex. Registration is open. That's a program for adults that will begin at the end of this month. All of this information um, can be found in our updated Come Out and Play catalog online. And that is it for my updates. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Director Beecham. Um, up next is Commissioner Comments, Ideas, and Questions. Um, so I will open it up if we have any commissioners who would 
like to speak? Commissioner Herman. Hi, thank you. Um, I called the um, fields hotline to uh, ask, you know, to see if the fields are going to be open today because it was one of those days where it's a little overcast and um, there was a little bit of rainfall. And the uh, message this time was much different than it normally is. It stated that um, some of the fields have been inspected and that some are playable and basically that the users are expected to review each field for usability prior to using them. And I was wondering if that is going to be the policy going forward for long-term <laughs> permit holders. Um, I believe it was the policy four and a half years ago, and I was just wondering if that's going to be a new policy. That is a wonderful question. Thank you for asking. We are in the process, I mentioned a little bit during the budget presentation, um, but evaluating many of our processes, policies, and procedures, that being one of them. Our field closure process and policy, um, what resources are available to us and how we handle those situations. So our incredible park maintenance um, superintendents, Jonathan and Joey, actually have a proposal that we're working with them on um, currently to evaluate what that process is going to look like moving forward. Um, but we would definitely look, um, are looking to, to leaning into more of our, our permit holders um, to help us have eyes on our fields and make sure that we are making responsible decisions when it comes to, to field play. So I will have an update for you as that policy continues to develop. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Ford. I just wanted to share that um, in North Natomas, in our district, um, there will be a Cinco de Mayo celebration tomorrow. So if you are free, uh, come join. There's going to be food trucks. There's going to be um, salsa dancing. So bring your dancing shoes. And then um, we are set to open the One Natomas Market, uh, Farmer's Market and Yoga in the Parks at the North Natomas Regional Park in May, day to be determined. So hopefully we'll see you all out there. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Robbins. Yes, I just got a, a reflect on last month. It was a very busy month, but I just had to thank city staff because at every single event that was out there, there was city staff and it was proudly there. Um, Earth Day event, our director Jackie was there. She saw in person how many hats I wear in my community. Um, Arbor Day, we had tree planting at the South Thomas community. Everybody from city staff was there. It was amazing. Um, the grassland gardens, ribbon cutting. We had the mayor out there with gold shovels. It was really cool. And then every uh, third Saturday, come out and help us clean it up. And one of the best events was the LNL uh, interviews. I highly encourage all commissioners to go to that. And it was just very warm to see how many youth leaders we have in our community. And I don't know how you guys do the process of picking the kids because they all were amazing to my end. <laughs> so uh, thank you for everything. And uh, it was a very fast three hours. I, it was a great experience for me. But as for this month, uh, you have Cinco de Mayo. We have Clino de Mayo in the GNA on May 6th at the Ninos Parkway. Uh, this, uh, yeah, this Saturday, it's gonna be nine to 12, tools, water, food provided. Um, Saturday, May 12th, we have our Jump Into Spring event also at Nino's Park, uh, paid for by Council Member Karina Telemontes, who just got engaged over the last weekend. So congratulations, Karina. I'll see you soon. And uh, as always, like I said, the Grassland Gardens every second, uh, third Saturday. And I think that's all I have. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to kind of reiterate what you said about the LNL interviews. I participated in the South. Um, 
the South Sac ones at um, Bell Coolidge, thank you. Um, and uh, Commissioner King was also there. Um, and then, yes, I had heard through the grapevine that you were in uh, North Sac, and I had said, oh, I talk about it on the dais all the time. And the person I was talking to was like, oh, well, uh, Commissioner Robbins said that it was Commissioner Flores who told him. And I was like, wow, okay, I'm pretty sure I said it. So uh, give me my credit next time. <laughs> but no, it was. it's always a great time. And it definitely is, I think, one of the, the hardest kind of decisions that we have to make because, um, you know, you interview 10 youth and only, there's only spots for three. Um, so, you know, we're, and I know, you know, Commissioner Flores has done a ton of interviews and we're always advocating for that program. I think um, one of the things that we see in the city and that we're just seeing across the board is um, the heart's there. And even if the finances are there, sometimes the staff is not there. So I highly encourage you all, especially when you see um, the Yipsy social media put out about needing um, adult leaders for this, that's one of the, the biggest areas of need because we can't hire as many youth if there's not the, I don't know what they're called, but like the part-time lead staff to take them out to the parks. Um, so whenever you guys see that, please share it because the more people we can get in those positions, the more youth they're able um, to take on because let me tell you, I'm always like, okay, no, all 10 of mine have to be hired and they say no, but I'm like, no, I want all 10 of mine. They were all fantastic and I'm sure that you probably felt the same way when you had to, had to decide, especially the first time you have to decide like who makes it to the next to, to get that position. So, um, you know, whenever you guys see those, please, please share that out um, so we can get those positions filled. Um, and that's it for me. So now we will move to the last item is public comments, matters not on the agenda or matters that we didn't go to public comment that people want to comment about. Um, so clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this matter? Thank you, Vice Chair. Uh, we have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and we have several hands raised online. Uh, so our first speaker will be calling user ending in 4366. Yes, my name is Lambert Davis, and, and my family owns a cheesecake business. And the reason I bring that up at the end is because we have a tremendous following of millennials of all races and both sexes throughout the city. And I, I wanted to also thank uh, Chair or the Director, uh, Mrs. Uh, uh, Jackie Beecham, because uh, from what I saw last weekend at Hagenwood Park, that was a very good festival. I was there for a couple hours, and then family and friends were there, and I had to leave because our cheesecakes were featured around the Kings and Warriors game. But that was uh, an outstanding example of having a festival in uh, Del Paso Heights. So I think she should be commended for that. And if anyone needs cheesecakes for Cinco de Mayo, we have what's called a virgin pina colada cheesecake, and the way you find us is we're called to the bay and back cheesecake.com. You spell it just like it sounds T O the bay and back cheesecake.com. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Robla. Robla, it is your time to speak. 
Hi, yes, hi, um, thank you. Um, there were some great uh, presentations um, today and um, I appreciate all of the effort from all the commissioners. Um, definitely want to uh, thank Commissioner Liu for his community, uh, direct community engagement to uh, the Robla Park. Um, I had a question about the tree canopy. Um, there was mention about uh, vandalism and weather related impacts, um, whether this fit into deferred maintenance um, or exactly you know, how that would work. Um, my question is uh, more specific to the pruning and the, the grooming when um, the, it isn't vandalism and it isn't weather related. It's more or less um, you know, pruning and the wellness of trees. We have a tremendous amount of mistletoe um, in our trees. In fact, we lost more than 10 um, and we'll lose additional trees this year. So really happy that we were able to plant more, but um, I wanted to know if there was a schedule for that aspect and um, what that looked like. And then um, final, um, I kind of want to keep uh, the ears and eyes open for fair distribution of amenities within the same district. Um, sometimes there are certain parks in um, uh, communities uh, or district boundaries um, where um, it may not be fair and equitable for uh, those parks, other parks that aren't highly visible um, from the uh, council uh, commission seat. So just wanted to um, to add that. And um, again, just to say thank you from uh, the Robla uh, Park area. Our park is highly used and visited and has um, additional potential to serve. Thank you for your comment. Your time is complete. Our next speaker is Victoria Vasquez. Thank you so much. Um, I had some very succinct thoughts, but now all I can think about is uh, pina colada cheesecake, and I'm going to check that out, Mr. Davis. Um, I want to give a very special shout out to all park staff for an incredible and robust amount of programming and events and fun things to do for Earth Day. I was able to attend several events. They were all amazing. They were all, um, you know, clean and safe and wonderful, and I'm really grateful for everyone um, who was able to uh, put that on. So thank you for doing that. Um, you mentioned the Tahoe Park tree planting. That was a really good time. And I want to give a special shout out to 311 and the Parks Department for coming out and responding to a family of baby ducks who were stranded in the Tahoe Park pool, which is not yet open for the season. But um, my daughter actually far away from me as I was teaching tree planting, uh, got a hold of the Neighborhood Association President um, Isaac Gonzalez and said, hey, I'm, I'm watching these baby ducks. They're stuck. They can't get out of the pool. Um, more than 10 of them. And he called 311. And I got to meet a wonderful Parks employee named Bill that day, who shared with me that he started his career of 40 years with the Parks Department as a lifeguard, as a teenage lifeguard. And I think that's so inspiring. And I think we can take our LNL students and give them some specialized training, and we can graduate, you know, lifelong arborists and fill our arborist position and take care of our tree canopy. And, you know, 
make um, tree care maintenance a career from Landscape and Learn, right? We can take these positions, this opportunity we have with these, these youth and create these lifelong passions and careers going forward. So I wanted to thank LNL. I wanted to thank all park staff and um, he raised the water and we were able to save all of the little baby ducks. So thank you so much um, for everyone's participation. And I really appreciate all of the director's uh, updates this evening. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Uh, Vice Chair, I have no more members of the public with their hands raised. All right, well, thank you. That concludes today's agenda. So thank you everyone who's watching online um, and you know, uh, sending in your comments to the staff um, for being here and for the presentations. And to my fellow commissioners, I really appreciate all of your um, participation today. Um, so as I said earlier, may the fourth be with you and the meeting is adjourned.